0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I hope you guys are doing amazing. Can you believe that we are literally like six, seven, seven weeks out to Christmas? Something like that, right? Like It is crazy that it's here. The holiday season is here. It is upon us. And I promise that I will be releasing an episode very shortly about some of my top holiday gift ideas. I think most of us are pretty much going to be shopping online. It's actually pretty sad going into the malls these days because half the stores are shut down, which is so sad. It is so heartbreaking to see how many stores have gone out of business and just the experience of shopping overall. It's just not the same. And I personally love, I don't love going into the mall, like it's just not my thing, but I love it. This time of year, there's just something about like grabbing a coffee, walking around the mall, seeing the Christmas decor. And it's just, it's just fun, but it's kind of lost that, you know, that vibe. I've lost that vibe this year because of everything going on with the coronavirus and wearing your mask and just all of the things. It's just not the same experience. So, I'm sure we are going to be doing more online shopping and a few amazing places that you can shop, especially if you are here in Canada and you want to support some Canadian businesses. I've been talking all kinds about Lee's Provisions, their amazing teas and their ghee. If you've got any foodie friends they can definitely appreciate those products. I have all of their products: the mint tea, the turmeric tea, the pink chai, their original Tulsi tea, and then their plain Jane ghee, their brown butter ghee, as well as their maple ghee. So I use them all, and they are just a really amazing product and really great to have on hand this time of year because um, I know I'm drinking more tea this time of year as we head into those colder months. And it's an amazing Canadian company. So if you're looking for something local, head on over to leesprovisions.com. You can save 15% off store-wide with the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES. And then speaking of foodies, I definitely am one and I'm so excited to be able to share with you guys. Oh my God, can you guys hear my cat like hacking in the background? <laughs> it is what it is. There's not much I can do about that. Uh, he's like, hanging over my shoulder over here and kind of hacking. So you might hear that. So apologies. So speaking of foodie friends, oh my God, monkey, you're really, really loud right in in my ear. So Natura Market, I'm so excited to collaborate with them and to be able to bring you guys an awesome discount code. So if your first time order off of Natura Market and you haven't been on their site before, you're going to love their website. There are many, many times where I have like 30 items in my cart and I'm spending like three hours perusing their site just because they have so many products and their Lily's chocolate, They're white chocolate peppermint. Oh my God. It's so good. And I love Lily's chocolate because they're sugar-free, which is amazing. I use them in all of my baking. And if you're going to be baking a lot this time of year, then that's definitely something you want to have on hand. They have their like baking chocolate and their chocolate chips, and then they have different chocolate bars, which are all super delicious and keto-friendly and sugar-free and all that good stuff. And then you might want to load up on some Simple Mills baking products, which are really great to have on hand. I love having them on hand because especially around the holidays when sometimes you have just people dropping by and you don't have time to like whip something up. And I always love to offer something. I got to have people eat when they come to my house. So having some of their baking mixes or their cake mixes uh, are really, really convenient. So peruse around their store, naturamarket.ca, their online store. They do only ship to Canada and they have such an amazing selection of products, paleo products, keto-friendly, Whole30-friendly, sugar-free, grain-free, gluten-free, all of it. You guys are really going to love it. So if you haven't been on their store before and you're first timer and a, a newbie to Market, use the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES and save 15% off your very first order. And stay tuned over on my Instagram because I know we have a 10% discount code when you place another order and I'll be releasing that soon. I'm just getting more details on what that will look like. So not only will you get that 15% off, but I've been working on trying to get you another discount as well. So stay tuned for that. You just got to watch me over on Insta stories and I'll be sharing about that shortly. Okay, so also, let's let's talk about skincare for a quick second. This is definitely going to be a part of my healthy holiday guide by Alaterra Natural's love them. I hope you guys tuned into that episode a couple of weeks back where I interviewed Andy and such an amazing story about how he started his company and I love their skincare. So if you are looking for high quality, organic, clean beauty approved skincare, you are going to love their products. You can head on over to alatoranaturals.com and you can actually save 20% off site-wide with the coupon code Healthy Hormones. And their clay mask is beautiful beautiful. beautiful, their micro needle that I've been using that actually helps to stimulate collagen production and help with fine lines and wrinkles. That's a really amazing product. It basically has 600 tiny little needles. It does feel uncomfortable on your skin, but it is amazing and your skin is going to be glowing and it's also going to help you absorb more of your oils and your moisturizer into your skin. So definitely check that out. And uh, again, that's alatoranaturals.com. And you can use the coupon code Healthy Hormones for 20% off. All right. So today's episode, I am so excited for it because. It's basically the vagina monologues. That's basically what we're diving into today. All things vagina health and really getting some clarity on the fertility awareness method. I know so many of us can feel confused when it comes to tracking our cycle and our temperature and cervical mucus and just really understanding our cycle. It's so, so, so important that we have this knowledge and we have this education and that we also pass this on to younger girls to teenagers it's so important i mean i this is something we talk about in the episode you know when you think about like sex ed class back in school like it was not that great and it's so important that we talk about period health and we talk about what our cycles should look like and really get young girls appreciating their cycle and tuning in to their cycle and those symptoms. And so I'm really excited to be interviewing Lisa today. We're diving into the fertility awareness method. We're talking about PMS. We're talking about cycle health, ovulation, common health problems with the menstrual cycle, what to look out for, and we dive into cervical mucus and cervix positioning and lots of juicy stuff. I really, really love this conversation. So my guest today is Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. She's a certified fertility awareness educator and holistic reproductive health practitioner who teaches women to chart their menstrual cycles for natural birth control, conception, and monitoring overall health. In her new book, The Fifth Vital Sign, Lisa debunks the myth that regular ovulation is only important when you want children by recognizing the menstrual cycle as a vital sign. Drawing heavily from the current scientific literature, Lisa presents an evidence-based approach to fertility awareness and menstrual cycle optimization. She hosts the Fertility Friday podcast, a weekly radio show devoted to helping women connect to their fifth vital sign by uncovering the connection between menstrual cycle health, fertility, and overall health. I think you guys are really gonna enjoy this episode, so let's dive in. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Before we dive in, can you share with our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, in a nutshell, I mean, I could say I talk about vaginas a lot. That tends to get t-
0: I <laughs> to love break it. <laughs> I'm going to call this the vagina episode. <laughs> Why not?
1: Um, but I'm a certified fertility awareness educator. And essentially what that means is that I spend my days educating women about their menstrual cycles and breaking a lot of the most common myths. So the most common myths about the cycle are that we're fertile every single day, except we're not. There's a short window of fertility in each menstrual cycle. And we can learn to identify that short window by paying attention to cervical fluid, basal body temperature, cervical position, and then we can use that information however we want. So some women choose to use that as a natural hormone-free birth control method that's as effective as the pill when used correctly. Some women choose to use that information to conceive when they're ready. And of course, for many of us who are just learning that the menstrual cycle is a sign of health, for many women... Learning to chart the menstrual cycle and understanding how it changes in relation to overall health makes it a fantastic biomarker to pay attention to. So that's kind of the tip
0: of the iceberg about what I do. That's amazing. And so, how did you how did you get started talking all about vaginas? What what led you on this journey?
1: Well, so when I had my very first periods, this is like going way back. Um, it was already painful and heavy. So from my first one, so they call it primary dysmenorrhea when the first one's really painful and ridiculous. And I was really active. I was, you know, did ballet dancing. I did sports, basketball, volleyball, track, all the things. And obviously having a super heavy, painful period doesn't, is not conducive to sports. So at that young of an age, I was about age 15, 16, and i didn't know how to handle it so i decided i just wanted to be put on the pills so i went to my doctor and i said like three words before he was writing the prescription and that's exactly what i had wanted because i didn't know any other way to manage it so it was like a it was like a miracle <laughs> like magic so my totally. air quotes period was actually more manageable after I was on the pill. And so, you know, being the genius that I was, I was like, sweet, I'm fixed. So I came off of it. And every time I would stop taking it for a couple months, I would get my real period back and it would be Just as bad as it was before I went on it. So I didn't have the words to describe that experience as a youngster, but I did know that it wasn't the same. So whatever the pill was doing to me, it wasn't the same as my period because my periods were still the same whenever I came off of it. Right. So fast forward to when I actually need a birth control, I had been using the pill not for birth control. So I wasn't like I wasn't the one that was taking it the right time. I had read the manual. And so I knew it's like, if you don't take it at the right time, you have to, you know, if you miss one, you take two and all this kind of stuff. So I remember thinking to myself, well, geez, if I'm on this pill, I'm always going to be terrified (laughs) if I could be pregnant. (laughs) And so I decided that I was going to not use the pill and I was going to use condoms. And the other thing was that I didn't have, like, I honestly didn't have, like, I feel like I just had a good intuitive sense. And my parents are West Indian. I remember my dad would always kind of be like, are you still taking that pill thing? So I had this kind of skepticism about it. And I had this kind of just, I thought to myself that there's something wrong with me (laughs) because it's not supposed to be this ridiculous with periods, even though I didn't have any information to substantiate that. And I thought to myself, like, I should try to figure this out. So I wasn't comfortable kind of masking it because I kind of thought to myself and I had no, like there was no science. This is literally just like 17 year old me saying like, I don't understand what's going on here, but I do want to have babies like way in the future. And so I just don't want to mess anything up. Like this literally was
0: my thought as a a youngster. Which is amazing because that's very (laughs) like connected and intuitive, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, looking back, it's kind of like, where did that come from? But that's literally what it was. So anyway, so I am deciding I'm going to use condoms about to, you know, start my first kind of major sexual relationship. And around right around that time, I discovered fertility awareness. And that was an amazing, uh, just addition, right timing, all those things, because I was just gonna use condoms. And then I discovered that I'm not fertile every day. And I can actually understand this whole cycle thing. Mm -hmm. And so all through my 20s, I then used fertility awareness, you know, alongside condoms (laughs) to manage my fertility. And so I was able to successfully uh, avoid hormonal contraceptives, but still prevent pregnancy at that point in my life. And so long story short, I took a training class and I began teaching women and, you know, dot, 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 here I am.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. We have a very similar story because, and I feel like a lot of women have a very similar story, just going to their doctor and like, I have this pain or my period. And then it's just like, here's the pill right yeah i i feel like so many of us have that have that story and so here you are today you wrote this amazing book like it is a beast of a book all the answers are there for you it's called the fifth vital sign can you tell our listeners what what do you mean by the fifth vital sign
1: yeah i mean so this is something that I I can't say I invented this idea because I didn't. There are a growing number of health professionals who are recognizing that the menstrual cycle is an important uh, vital sign that we should be paying attention to. So a vital sign is essentially a measure of our bodily functions. And the most common vital signs are our temperature, blood pressure, heart rate, and respiratory rate. So how many breaths we take each minute. And so all of us have annoying that, you know, because we've all had our, you know, whatever vitals taken at the doctor's office. So we all know that the vital sign, they give the doctors real time information about what's happening in our health. So if you have a fever, like you have it right now, and then it tells the doctor not only that there's something wrong, but that like it's probably an infection. Similar with blood pressure, if it's too high, not only does it tell the doctor in general that there's something wrong, but it guides the doctor to the possible diagnoses, the possible issues that could be causing the problem. So with the menstrual cycle, many of us don't know that it operates in much the same way. So, you know, when you are a woman and you have a female body, so you're a woman of reproductive age, your menstrual cycle is supposed to function normally, just like you're supposed to have a bowel movement every day. <laughs> right. And when this is off, it means that there's something else off. And understanding that, understanding what the normal parameters of the cycle are. So, I mean, not everybody is well-trained and versed in what could be wrong, but there are plenty of practitioners for whom the menstrual cycle is pretty central in what they do. I mean, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners, the menstrual cycle is central into what they do. They want right. to know, you know, the bleeding. You know, they want to know how much, what color, all those types of things. They want to know sure. your temperature because they know how the temperature changes throughout the menstrual cycle. So it's very interesting that you can take this knowledge and gain information about your health.
0: That's awesome. I have so many questions for you top of my head right now, and I'm sure our audience too. Um, so. Okay. Let's just talk about the pill. I definitely want to dive into like tracking our cycle and fertility awareness because I, I know so many women in our community are, they're confused by it. They're overwhelmed by it. So we'll definitely dive into that, but let's backtrack a little bit cause you, you've been on the pill. What are your thoughts about the birth control pill and yeah, let's, let's just go there. And <laughs> what are some alternatives that you suggest?
1: That's a great question. It's like such a loaded question. Like it is such a loaded question. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. I'll just pass that <laughs> over to you. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> take it away. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about the birth control pill. Mm-hmm. I mean, so let me think about where I want to start here. Well, here's an interesting place to start. So the pill is central to feminism. Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's almost it's like the symbol of feminism because of what it represents. So it represents right women being able to take charge of their fertility, essentially separating sex from reproduction so that we can uh, just not kind of just be forced at the whims of our bodies, I guess you could say. Right. And so it's interesting when you have someone who identifies as a feminist like myself, who who questions the pill. And there's plenty of women that actually say that it's anti-feminist to, to talk about it and to question it. So... The way that I look at the pill is that there's issues with how women have, uh, you could say, not been informed about not being given the full picture of the pill. It'd be really easy to say, oh, she's anti-pill because, you know, she's got a whole chapter on the side effects of the pill in her (laughs) book. And when you read that chapter, often you come out on the other side a little bit pissed off. (laughs) But the reason that you're pissed off, you could throw the tomatoes at me. But the real issue that I'm highlighting when I talk about the side effects of the pill so just to throw a couple stats out there for people who don't know, about half of women within a year of starting the pill come off of it because of the side effects. That's right. one out of two. It's a lot. That's a lot. Um, within a couple of years, like two to three years, it's closer to 70% of women discontinue and maybe switch to something else or switch to another pill. And so essentially, like you have a, a significant issue that we should talk about. So the pill is associated with a whole host of side effects. The most common side effects are depression, anxiety, low libido. One of the running jokes about the pill is that one of the reasons that it works is because you don't have sex anymore. Um, In addition to the low libido, the pill has been shown to, um, for some women, for a certain percentage of women, it contributes to painful sex, the thinning of the labia, the vaginal opening, and um, even the shrinkage of the clitoris the pill is known to deplete a significant number of nutrients you know including b vitamins particularly folate and b12 but there's a long list including you know selenium coq10 zinc uh, magnesium like i could i could go on yes and so the way that i look at the pill essentially it's not even like, in many ways, it's not even the pill's fault. It's it's our culture's fault. So right. we basically have these giant drug companies that profit enormously from the pill. And we have doctors who are trained to really look to um, efficacy as the number one most important factor when counseling women on birth control. So what I've seen in the past two decades is an, a really interesting shift. So when I was, when I, like, I just shared my story when I was, you know, like, I, I was about, you know, 17, 18, looking for birth control, I chose condoms. And I I didn't feel like if I, if I didn't choose hormonal contraceptives, that there was no way that I could prevent pregnancy reliably. I actually was taught back in the day that the perfect use effectiveness of condoms was 98%. So I actually felt confident when I was young to right. make that decision. And then when I uh, added fertility to awareness to the mix, I felt even more confident because then if I used a condom on an infertile day, that's two methods. Got it. Today's women are taught something very different there is an idea in today's world that if you're not on birth control, it's like you're not even using it. Like it's just a matter of time before you get pregnant. So it's kind of like you're either on a hormonal method or you're just, it's just a matter of time. right? And so I've found in my client work that the younger generation is much more terrified and petrified of, of pregnancy because they really feel like, you know, even condoms are Totally unreliable, right. um, and so this is like a really kind of long meandering way of saying that, you know, I think that we all need to have all the options. In my perfect world, women would be given the like all of the options. So, if you are looking for birth control, you would be provided with, you know, the pill the patch, all the different formulations of the combined hormonal contraceptives and all those right. things. But you would also be provided with non-hormonal methods, like the fertility awareness method would be yep. an option. Condoms would be an option. Cervical cap diaphragm would be an option. And you would understand that you can choose non-hormonal or h- hormonal and be educated about the ways that you could make those methods work for you. Right. You would also be educated about the side effects. The number of women that I have talked to who had no idea that Mm -hmm. the pill could be linked to panic attacks and anxiety such that they go on the pill. So some women go on the pill and they have these panic attacks and anxiety right away. So they kind of know it's the pill. Other right. women go on it. And then five years later, they start developing panic attacks and anxiety because of the built up nutrient deficiencies that contribute to these kind of issues. Right. And they obviously have been on the pill for five years. Why would they think that the pill could have anything to do with it? For so sure. it's like desperate Googling that leads them to this answer, similar to recurrent yeast infections, or um, I've even heard some women say intrusive thoughts or depression. So Um, I mean, I could go on, I'll just make one last point. There's studies of adolescent girls. And adolescent girls who are on hormonal birth control are much more likely to also be on antidepressants. Because we know that the pill is linked to depression, (laughs) and anxiety, like it's a thing. There's a lot of research, and so then that begs the question: Why aren't we being told about this? And right. if you have a teenage daughter that's depressed and she's also on the pill, why is it that the doctor isn't saying, "Well, let's take her off the pill for three months just to see right. if it could be related"? Why are, Why is she also taking, uh, you know, an antidepressant, you know, on top of the thing that made her, de- you know, very possibly made her depressed in the first place?
0: Oh. Yeah. It's so wild to me and it's so disheartening. And I also think about just like the education that young girls receive. I mean, there really isn't an education. I didn't receive a, like, I mean, I did receive a sex education, but it was very poorly designed. It wasn't this deep dive into your cycle and how it works and like really appreciating your body. It, it, you know it's just sad and to i think about i mean i don't have kids but i think about like my nieces and these young girls who are growing up and have no idea what to expect and they're going to be i don't know i don't even know what they're going to be taught at school when it comes to sex education nowadays
1: well i mean i have Part of the reason that I do what I do is because I'm maybe I'm just not patient. <laughs> maybe I'm fed up. <laughs> but I don't think that the answer is going to be to wait until our school systems decide it's For important sure. to educate women about their bodies. Absolutely, because that's just not going to happen, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, look, you know, maybe it will, but like, you can cont- like if you want to wait, then you just yeah, pull up a chair and see if, you know, within the next couple decades. The education system decides it's important enough to teach young women about their bodies. What's interesting, I get the question a lot, you know, because I teach fertility awareness and I teach it as a birth control method to adult women. So I get the the question a lot like, do you think that fertility awareness is appropriate for teenagers? And I say, well, I think condoms are appropriate for teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) That's if you asked, right? And I told you the thing about it is that as a fertility awareness educator, I actually don't see teaching women about their menstrual cycle as necessarily sexual. Right. There's a lot right. of fantastic applications of teaching a woman about how her menstrual cycle works, like a young woman that don't, I mean, when she's ready for sex, she'll have the information, but it's not inherently sexual. Yes. So it's like, okay, everybody breathe. So this is what I imagine. So if I take you through the menstrual cycle, Um, a normal, typical, healthy menstrual cycle. You start with your period. The first day of your period is day one. And then after your period, you know, stops, you have a couple of days, which we call dry days, before your uh, cervical fluid typically shows up. And then you have anywhere from about two to seven days of cervical fluid. So it can look clear and stretchy like raw egg whites. It can look creamy and white like hand lotion. So you have about two to seven days of that. And then you ovulate. And then after you ovulate, you get your period about 12 to 14 days later. So, If you're a teenage girl and someone teaches you that Mm -hmm. and they teach you that ovulation is amazing and it's how you make your hormones and they teach you that it's normal to have different energy levels throughout your cycle. It's like a superpower, you know, in the middle of your cycle, when you're approaching ovulation, you might have more energy, you might feel more outgoing and normalize the fact that, you know, as you approach your period, you might feel a little less energetic and it's okay to, you know, take a day or two to relax and rest up. Like if we actually normalized what it's like to live in a female body for young women, and we told them that if you pay attention to your cervical fluid, and if you really want to, you can even take your temperature because it changes and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, you can predict your period. Now tell me what 14 year old girl wouldn't want to predict her period. For sure. Yep. All right. And also to learn that cervical fluid is normal and natural so that right. she doesn't have to find herself in a doctor's office every month, mm-hmm. you know, thinking she has an infection. So obviously I could go on, but this is my response to, you know, it could look so different by empowering women with knowledge of their body. And
0: nothing that I said is inherently sexual. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I love that so much. And I love how you broke that down. And I also think like at the end of the day too, just women, so women were not educated about their bodies and then they become moms. So they don't have the language to even pass it on to their daughters you know and so they have to learn it for themselves too or even go through like an unlearning for themselves right and you know it's true like we can't bank on the education system and we have to take it into our own hands to really learn about our bodies and and take the responsibility to pass that on to, to women. And I and I love how you said that. Like it's yeah, it's not inherently sexual. But I think that so many parents and women just they connect that like it's sexual. It's oh my, if my daughter asks about period health, oh my god, is she having sex? It's like there's this disconnect, right? There's an inherent fear. Yes, because
1: it's like. It's like if I tell them that there's a part in their cycle where they, can, they can't get pregnant, they'll oh. know, then oh they'll God. know, and totally. then they'll go and have sex. And I feel like what's interesting is that the research actually tells us the opposite. The research tells us that like when teenagers are educated about sex and about you know, their bodies to whatever degree, they're actually more likely to wait. Now, of course, everyone's different they're, For but, sure. but that's generally speaking, what the research tells us, like the more you educate, it doesn't, education doesn't lead to earlier sexual activity. Right. And so, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have the answer. Like as a parent, it's, it's, I guess it, the, the comfort that, that you have depends. Yes. Um, My little two-year-olds when, when, I mean, my kids are five and seven, but when they were little, they're running around saying like, that's my Oh, because I've got two boys. Because I'm like telling them the, you know, I have a background. Also, I did sexual assault education for a period of time, and so I, all, I, you know, my personal belief is that it's important to give children the language so that if something yes. ever, God forbid, happened, someone right. troubled them, obviously, um, then if they were to not tell you, but if they were to tell a teacher or someone else, like we, we have a language for a reason. Like if you right. call them toys when they tell their teacher that so and so played with their toys, got well. It. Tell them to stop. <laughs> you need yep. to tell them that it's a penis. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, <laughs> or a <no>. vulva. <laughs>
0: You're so right. You're so um, right.
1: That's just my my opinion. But you know, regardless of how comfortable we we are with these things, um, as I do this work, you know, and as more and more women do discover their cycles and how it all plays out and how it all works together, many women discover this information in their late 30s and early 40s, and even later. And of course, they're often pretty much always very disappointed and frankly pissed off yes. that they didn't learn this earlier. But it opens up this incredible opportunity for educating your daughters and your nieces and all the young women in your life. And I I feel that there's huge numbers, way more than in my generation, of young women who have this incredible opportunity to learn. I had a woman in my class. Um, I had a teenage girl in my class, actually. Her mom put her in the class. Um, and she was privy to all of this incredible information when she was, you know, 16 years old. As a 16 year old, and this is oh, so. Um, and the thing about it is, I feel like we have to give young people more credit. I understand that there's a lot of young people that aren't very mature, but there's also a lot of adults. It's true. <laughs> that are very mature, right? But <laughs> I mean, when young women are making these decisions about having sex and and what they're going to do. They're very thoughtful about it. They do their research to the best of their ability. You know, for the most part, most of these young women are very, very thoughtful. So, by not providing them with the basic biology of how their body works, it denies them the ability to make a truly informed choice. So, back to the pill for a minute. What I always say is this is about informed choice. I talk about all those side effects. And the, the fact of the matter is, because I've had people ask me, like, you know, given all that you know about the pill, like, how could you ever say that it's okay for someone to take it? Right. Well, I don't know about like people smoke and drink and people do drugs. And so we know we we know what the side effects are for a lot of these things. Nobody who smokes today thinks it's a health food thinks it's going to help them lose weight and thinks it's gonna make them like better. Because on the package, at least in Canada, you see pictures of like, cancer gums and black lungs. So when people are smoking, no dissing people who are smoking, but they're making an informed choice. Choice. And as adults, we have the right to do that. So the, the argument is often, well, if you tell them all those side effects, you're going to discourage them from using it. Well, if you tell them the side effects, some women are going to say, okay, that's crazy. And they're not going to use it. Some women are going to say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I know I'm going to use it. But then at least if something happens, like I'll know. And yes. other women are going to say, I don't care. I'm going to use it. Right. Like, and I feel like we all fall into those three categories and we have the right to just make that call ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. My um so my book, The 30 Day Hormone Solution, I have this woman who her daughter plays on this young on this hockey team, and the girls on the team are aged like 14 to 17. And she bought a book for all of the girls. And I was like, oh my God. Like I'm so excited for that. And I'm also like a bit nervous because I'm like, I know they're gonna open that book. And I dive into the birth control pill and the thyroid and detail, you know, like. All of these things and i know there's there's going to be this confusion but at the same time i'm really hoping that it's going to empower them and also empower the families as well you know and and that not just the girls are going to read it but that the mothers are going to read it and and it's the same thing with your book like let's, let's pass this on to, you know, young women and, and get them educated and learning. So I love it. I love that you do this. So do you have an online course that actually dives into specifically fertility awareness and, and like the method and how you do it?
1: I do. So I have, um I have a live class that I do. I do it a few times a year. So uh, it's an eight-week class, so we hang out and meet every week. And uh, the women in the class, depending on where they are in their cycles, get you know between two to three cycles in while we learn. Right, and so that's a lot of fun. That's kind of it's one of the things. Like it's like the joy of my. My day, because I, I I attract women of all age groups. So I love it when For I sure. get, you know, 18 year olds, 20 yeah, year olds. I know. I um, it because it's like, you just don't even understand how amazing this is to get know. to do this now. Oh my
0: God. Trust <laughs> me. I say the same thing. When I have like a, yeah, it's the same thing. 18, 19 year old reach out, I'm like, oh my God, I love this. Yeah. Yes.
1: But then you also have, you know, the women in their 20s and 30s and, and 40s. And so yep. you have a great kind of opportunity to like learn from each other because you learn a lot from seeing where other women are think when you're not in that stage, you learn a lot from seeing those who, who are. Um, and I also have an online course, like a self-directed for, for women who just want to kind of just dive in and do it at their own pace. But I mean, ultimately, my goal when I first started, so when I first started the podcast, I just had this thought, you know, I had been doing things at a very kind of grassroots level. When I first learned this information, <laughs> there was no like Facebook and Instagram and podcasts, like i don't think so anyways uh, because i was pretty young you know I, I graduated in 2000 like from high school so so i guess what i'm saying is like things really really changed so when i first started the podcast i just thought let me put this out there and see if anybody cares cuz i know it changed my life and so i thought let me just see if anyone um, you know wants to to learn For sure. so it turns out yes they do and <laughs> it's a really yes, big do. deal <laughs> and uh, and so since then um, I don't know, it's, it's just been really fascinating to see how hungry women are for this information and knowledge. And it's so sad to see how little progress has been made, basically anywhere else. Yep. So, you know, doctors are not trained in fertility awareness based methods. Most health professionals may have some degree of knowledge, but still aren't trained in in them. Right. And so a lot of A lot of people in general just have no idea that there is uh, an effective non-hormonal option available to them if they want it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you do this because like, it's definitely obviously period talk, cycle talk, hormone talk is a big part of what I do with my clients, but focusing on fertility awareness specifically is not what I do. So it's great to be able to, you know, refer those out to you um, when, when somebody's looking to dive in a lot deeper. So. Okay. So let's dive into fertility awareness and what that actually looks like. I mean, there's a lot here obviously to cover. So maybe we can kind of like cut it down into bite size as, as much as we could, you know, with cervical mucus, checking temperature, your cervix, all of that. Um, I'm going to kind of let you take it away here and just kind of kind of dive in and give us an overview.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned the three main signs. So there's what I'll say is that there's no one fertility awareness method. Uh, there's fertility awareness based methods is what you know we refer to them as, but there's different ways to do this essentially. So I teach a version of the Sympto thermal method, which involves then the temperature, the cervical mucus checking and the cervical position. But there are methods where it's, you know, checking cervical fluid only. There's methods that are temperature only. There's even, you know, the Marquette method that doesn't involve, like you you can still involve uh, the checking of cervical fluid and things like that, but it actually uses a monitor that checks directly for the hormones. (laughs) So there's different ways uh, to do this. But basically with fertility awareness from the practical side of it, when you're using the method for birth control, for example, I mean either way, but let's just start with birth control. Yep. You're getting into the habit of checking your fertile signs on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, once your period is starting to come to a close, you start checking for cervical fluid. I teach my clients to check externally, so taking a piece of toilet paper and wiping. You're wiping anyways every time you go to the bathroom, right. but now we're just doing conscious wiping and you're paying attention to see if you see anything. And so what you're trying to do is identify the fertile window. So, you know, as you approach ovulation in your cycle, so you have your period and then you start approaching ovulation, your ovaries produce estrogen as the follicles develop. And so that estrogen is what triggers your cervical fluid production. So as your estrogen levels rise, as you get closer to ovulation, the estrogen triggers your cervix to make cervical fluid. So, um, what you're doing then when you're checking on a day-to-day basis is you're checking to see when you start to see it. And the reason that we care so much about cervical fluid is because it keeps the sperm alive for up to five days. And we make it when our cervix is open for business. So <laughs> right. the cervix isn't open all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about it, the uterus is an internal organ. Mother nature is infinitely smarter than we are. Right. And so it would make sense that the uterus wouldn't just be like, open all the time for yeah. viruses and bacteria all kinds of stuff. so there's actually only a short window so from a scientific per- perspective it's about six days per cycle so five days as we approach ovulation plus ovulation day and that is the only time in the cycle where the uterus is actually open meaning that you could have sex with man and the sperm this you know can just swim right in there. So when we see the cervical fluid it's telling us okay <laughs> the cervix is open or open for business the sperm can survive for up to five days. So, you know, having sex on a day with cervical fluid, that's when basically you do that when you're trying to get pregnant. Right. And so you could see cervical fluid on Monday and you could have sex with your partner. And then, you know, he could go away for business and you could ovulate on Friday. So cervical fluid on Monday, you probably continue to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but you had the sex on the Monday. So you ovulate on Friday and you can get pregnant on Friday because you had sex on Monday because the sperm survives for up to five days. So when you understand that basic reality, I mean, that kind of changes everything because it For means sure. that outside of that window, when you don't have the cervical fluid, your cervix is actually closed and you can feel the difference. So cervical position is one of the signs you can feel. Um, you insert your finger into your vagina and you touch. This is optional. So not everybody, <laughs> you know, wants to check their cervix nor do they have to right. if they want to use the method, but it's an optional sign. And it's very interesting because you can actually feel your cervix uh, more open, soft, oh, typically. Definitely around ovulation, and then firmer, closed, lower around, like after you've ovulated. Uh, So when you pay attention to these signs, you can identify when you're fertile, if you want to use it for birth control, then, you know, you have to learn the rules and a few more things. But ideally, like, ultimately, you're avoiding sex on these days. Yes, you're confirming when you ovulate with these signs, when you do your temperature as well, uh, your temperature it's it's really cool because it's like a homemade science project. If you take your temperature every day before you get out of bed in the morning, then what's really interesting is after ovulation, the temperature rises. And that's because after ovulation, you make progesterone. Progesterone causes a thermogenic effect in the body. It actually raises your core resting temperature. And so you can see this clear and sustained shift after ovulation. So once you get into the second half of your cycle, once you've ovulated, your temperature has risen, your cervix um, has changed to that firmer, lower position we talked about, and your cervical fluid goes away, you can't get pregnant for the rest of the cycle. Mm-hmm. It's biologically impossible. And it's impossible because once you ovulate, if, you didn't, if it didn't get fertilized, the egg actually disintegrates within 12 to 24 hours. The cervix actually closes and it's filled with the thick mucus plug that the sperm can't swim through science, biology, um, <laughs> you can feel the change. And when you don't have cervical mucus flowing, and you're on what we call your dry days, like, because you're not seeing mucus, your vagina is actually very acidic. So the vagina of a grown woman is quite acidic, and it should be, because that's how we prevent yeast infections and all kinds of foreign intruders and invaders and all that kind of stuff. Right. So no one told you this in junior high school. But (laughs) the second half of your cycle after ovulation, pregnancy is actually impossible. Mm -hmm. Now, when you use the method, you have to learn the rules, you have to learn how to check, you have to, you know, you have to learn how to establish that buffer period. But this is, I mean, for me, it was mind blowing, because Mm -hmm. it meant that I didn't have to be afraid all the time. Right. So once I learned it, I was amazed. And then I actually started charting. And then I started to see it. So I saw the mucus, I saw it go away and then it would be dry and i saw my temperature increase and it would stay high and i saw my i felt my cervical position changes and then it was every cycle cycle after cycle after cycle i would see these changes consistently and so it was amazing that this biological wonder is happening under my nose you know. know every single cycle but no one told me about
0: it right yeah it is really amazing i started tracking my cycle in like my mid mid 20s mid to late 20s cuz i was on the pill for about eight years and then seven, eight years. And then, yeah, when I came off of it, that's when I started to really dive in and and track it. And it was just so amazing to have this data that you can look at and just seeing your temperature over like, you know, three, four months and seeing how different and everything was changing, like just having that data and knowing more about your body and being so much more in tune about what's happening. And especially when symptoms start to show up too, you can you know, like, well, I'm in this part of my cycle or this part, or this is why I'm feeling like this, right? It, it really is just such an amazing way to, to connect with your body. So, um, what are some factors that might affect somebody's temperature reading?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the temperature, I find it to be a really useful, um, very helpful tool, And there are some methods that will discourage people from doing it because it can be affected by a number of things. So certainly uh, it can be affected by how many hours of sleep that you have. So the temperature is a a measure of your resting metabolism and you measure the resting metabolism after you are at rest. And so (laughs) ideally you get about five or more hours of uninterrupted sleep. And once you are kind of, if you think about it, when you're in your bed for that long, you are, you, you kind of go back to this, uh, I would say you kind of reset that, metabolism measure. And the resting metabolism is kind of like the least amount of energy expenditure that you're using. So for example, you get to this baseline level, and then every additional hour you sleep, the temperature rises a little bit. So if you get up at six o'clock most of the time, and then one day you get up at nine, the temperature at nine, could be higher because you had more time to sleep, for example. Makes sense. Um, And then other things, if you're sick, obviously, if you have a fever, (laughs) that's going to affect it. Um, If you're traveling, if you, for some women, if you have alcohol the night before, so that can kind of shoot it up. For some women, it's quite pronounced. For others, not so much. If you have allergies, if you're allergic to dust and air and seasonal stuff, then certainly that can, anything that triggers your immune system can cause it to go up and down. Um, And so what I encourage my clients to do is just to get, accustomed to the different factors that can affect the temperature, uh, from getting up at different times to getting being sick to immune triggers to, you know, time zone changes and travel and stress and all those types of things. Um, And then when you're charting, you just note those things on your chart. And then you'll start to get a sense of what actually affects your temperature, because every woman isn't the same and things don't affect everyone to the same degree. Certainly manageable, though, once you have a good grasp of it.
0: That's awesome. And then it's also great to be able to see well, I I was sick or you know I did have a cold or a flu or I had a fever or when my invi- when my allergies, you know, get triggered then my temperature, right? Like it's it's again, that's just collecting data about your your body which I think is super fascinating. So how do you feel about the ovulation predictor kits?
1: Well, I mean with any tech and I put that into the category of tech, I think that um we should be we should always be able to use it in addition to our knowledge of it. So I always am skeptical when a person is kind of relying entirely on tech. Right. So the reason for that is, for example, the ovulation predictor kit, it doesn't confirm that you ovulated. (laughs) It's measuring a luteinizing hormone. And the different ovulation predictor strips are programmed with different thresholds. So what it's actually measuring is when the luteinizing hormone goes above threshold. So for anyone who doesn't know, as you approach ovulation, you make all this wonderful estrogen that's triggering your mucus and all the things we talked about. And estrogen indirectly triggers ovulation. So once it's like a thermostat. Once the estrogen goes to a certain level, then that triggers the pituitary to release luteinizing hormone. And luteinizing hormone is what actually causes the ovaries to burst. So typically, you're having this LH surge about 24 to 36 hours before ovulation. And so the strips are then programmed with thresholds. So you can see how this could be problematic because there's some women who are going to then ovulate, but maybe the LH doesn't hit the threshold, but she's still ovulated. Right. And there's other women who might have a condition. So women with PCOS, for example, one of the, I guess you could say factors or one of the Symptoms of PCOS is uh, rapid LH surges. <laughs> so, women with PCOS often have high LH. So, like, you can have a positive for a week <laughs> every day and not be ovulating. So, I mean, most it's going to work for most people, right? Most of the yes. time. But I just right. want to kind of point that out. So, if you're completely relying on it and you don't know what I, if you didn't know what I just kind of pointed out, you know. So, the way I see ovulation predictor strips, so from, I mean, I'm biased because I'm a fertility awareness educator. Of course, But if you understand how to chart your cycle, technically you don't need the strips Mm -hmm. because you can identify your fertile window by paying attention to your mucus. You can pay attention to the cervical position. And then the basal body temperature rise confirms ovulation as well as the drying up of the, the cervical fluid. So you can actually do this and confirm the best time to have sex just by knowing your body. So where the strips come in though is the strips do give you that heads up, the 24 to 36 hours you know, in advance, and so mm-hmm. certainly, I've had clients who are charting who also use the strips, and that's just helpful for them to triangulate a little bit. So, for can sure. be certainly very helpful. Yeah. I would just say also learn how to chart your body. Yes, Sorry, signs.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's just like using those period tracker apps, right? It's like so many women put in their period, and then it's like, oh, 14 days later, yeah, I'm ovulating. My 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 app told me, and it's like, uh, not a, uh, <laughs> that's not the case. So. I get that. Yeah, we can't just rely on the tech and and it's so important to to track yourself. Okay, so before I let you go, I would love to dive into some nutrition and lifestyle strategies that women can implement to optimize their period, their cycle, their hormones, I mean all of it. And you know, what are some of your your top strategies, your your go-to strategies?
1: Yes. Well, if any of my clients are listening, they're all going to start laughing because I always take things back to basics. I I know it's really popular and sexy to start with, like take this supplement and this supplement mm-hmm, and this supplement, mm-hmm. but we got to have a good strong foundation. So, uh, when it comes to food, I would say that uh, it's really important for everyone to eat enough of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of women who, you know, you don't necessarily mean to undereat, but it's really yep. really easy to undereat. So, it for is. example, if you have a coffee a day kind of just habit. Um, did you know that coffee suppresses appetite? And when Mm -hmm. you start your day with a cup of coffee, you're much less likely to have a full breakfast. And then you can go on to have lunch and dinner, but maybe you don't actually get as many calories in your body as you would have if you had actually eaten breakfast. So what I say is, you know, start with three square meals a day and in each meal have a good balance of protein, fat and low glycemic carbohydrates. So fat, and I know this is unpopular, you know, but just for the record, when we're talking about hormonal balance and menstrual cycle health, that requires you to produce sufficient estrogen, progesterone, you know, testosterone, cortisol, and even vitamin D. And these hormones are actually made from cholesterol. Right. So, you know, it's kind of tricky if your diet doesn't include any cholesterol, meaning animal fats, or very little, because yes, your liver can make cholesterol, but your liver also has to do a million things. Um, so, so like the, the kind of, from a nutritional standpoint, I would say the first thing is to make sure that you're eating enough food. So three meals a day, um, and at each meal a good mix of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. What that also does is it helps to balance your blood sugar so that you're not just eating like, cause when I was little breakfast was oatmeal and I would eat the oatmeal and then, right. you know, sugar high. And then like 30 minutes later, I'd be hungry again. Totally. So it's also practical because, <laughs> because you can eat a full uh, balanced meal. Your blood sugar can stay relatively stable throughout the day, not any like severe highs or lows. You feel fuller longer, like, The older that I get, the less patience I have for being hungry and hangry and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Totally. So totally step relate. one, eat food. Um, so, step two, uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of things, but and, and I, I, I mean, I could certainly go into, I don't have a specific diet that I recommend. Like I, I recommend certain principles like that one. Yep. Yep. And I also talk about specific foods. I, I come from an ancestral approach and I'm looking at what are the most nutrient dense foods that contain the nutrients that we need. A lot of women are coming off the pill. Wanting to have babies. And the pill depletes a lot of nutrients, particularly B vitamins, including folate and B12. So, you know, if you're preparing for pregnancy, even if it's six months, a year, two years from now, then, you know, my focus is what are the nutrients that are going to support hormonal health, fertility, and prepare you for conception? And so I'm not necessarily the most popular for talking about liver and organ meats. Um, but I talk about them for a reason, because that's where we get our
0: iron and our B12. And our I was just going to say, are choline. you about to recommend liver? <laughs> yeah. But it is such an amazing food.
1: Right? Yes. Um, so I mean, there's, I'll just kind of leave it there, because I could certainly talk about that for, you know, all day. But I would say that looking at the foods that contain the the highest degree of nutrition, it's like anything else you do, you want to get the biggest bang for your buck that type of thing. Um, Sleep is really important. I talk about sleep a lot. And I feel like people's eyes might glaze over. But what's interesting is when you're looking at menstrual cycle health. So you know, a lot of women, when they start charting their cycles, obviously have concerns about different aspects of their cycle. And one of the most common is the luteal phase, or, you know, PMS, meaning, you know, do I have low progesterone? is my luteal phase too short? You know, what can I do to improve that? And one of the first things you can do is sleep, get enough sleep, get at least seven hours a night and sleep in the dark. Yes. Because what's interesting is when you're not sleeping in the dark, when you've got the, you know, TV on, or you've got the window open or whatever, um, that affects your melatonin production, which then affects your progesterone production. So one of the freest, (laughs) easiest ways (laughs) to start supporting your progesterone is actually to sleep and to sleep in the dark. So that means like, I don't, you know, I I just like, I'm the get it done, girl, just get it done. So I, you know, I have a lot of clients that want to buy like the most fancy, you know, night, dark shade. I'm just like, right. get a sheet, put it on, like nothing yeah. will get do you what you got to do <laughs> to the fancy window than an ugly one. So just <laughs> just like put up the sheet and then eventually you'll get the pretty one, but right. sleep in the dark and, and then track your luteal phase and see if it helps. Love that. Yeah. Um, and if there's one more thing, because I mean, you know that there's a million things here. Definitely. But if there was another thing, because you asked about, you know, nutrition and lifestyle. So I would just say, start being aware, as I'm sure many of your audience members are already of all of the chemicals in everything, everything mm-hmm. that was designed for women to use on their bodies, whether it's lotion, whether it's body wash whether it's um what we wash our dishes with and wash our clothes and all that all of it all of it we're just like what are they trying to do to us it's in everything so become aware of the chemicals in all of the things um our body care our dishwashing our clothes washing our cleaning house cleaning all of the things because these products unless you're specifically buying natural products you know the scented with essential oils, like unless you're specifically sourcing that, all of these products contain estrogen uh, like chemicals. So xenoestrogens that are what it means is these are chemicals that have a similar molecular structure to estrogen, they're not estrogen, but they're similar enough that they trigger our hormone receptors. And they stimulate hormonal responses in the body. So they actually disrupt our endocrine systems and disrupt our body's ability to just balance and maintain our natural hormone balance. Uh, so, simply by reducing how much of these chemicals we expose ourselves to, and it go like the list goes on, like all the chemicals, mm-hmm. or all the beauty products, all these things, the food, the pesticides, all the things, yeah, the menstrual products, the bleached ones, and the rayon, and the, all yeah, all of that stuff. So. But when you start removing those, you're reducing the load off your liver, you're reducing this challenge to your hormone balance. And a lot of women notice improvements, whether it's their PMS symptoms, their periods, their moods, just
0: by reducing their xenos. Yeah, absolutely. I I always cringe when I walk past like the Bath and Body Works or something like that. And I'm just like, oh, we, we need to like band together and just, you know, let that company know that they have got to make some serious changes. Cause there's, it it really does attract a young crowd because of their like cotton candy scents and their, you know, like, who doesn't want to smell like a strawberry? Oh God. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So oh, I just cringe when I think about it. So just quickly then in terms of menstrual products, like what are some of your favorites that you typically recommend?
1: Well, I have been an avid menstrual cup user for a really long time. So before it was a thing, before it was popular, mm-hmm. um, the first menstrual cup I use is called the keeper. And I was like, they still make it. It's pretty cool. Awesome. It's like so I mean, i everyone isn't going to be necessarily comfortable with menstrual cups, but they're, you know, typically made with um, a silicone. I'm trying medical grade right. silicone. That's yes. what I was going to say. So they're not porous. You can boil them. You can do, you know, take care of them really well. They last for a long time. And now what's really great is that there's like a million companies and they I all know. make these fantastic, like there's so many options now. I've, I, It's, it's pretty incredible. So that's one of, you know, the, my go-tos and I, I really like them because it's, it's just worked really well for me. And I, and let me think of why. So one of the reasons is because they're not absorbent, they collect. So you don't have like, you ever use like a tampon and then like you didn't have a lot of bleeding and then it's like so dry. And for sure. And I remember when I was in university, I went to this like talk about period products. So this whole conversation in my life has been going on for a long time. And <laughs> so the woman put, she had a, a, a cup of water and she put a tampon in it and then it expanded. And it was weird because right. obviously your body doesn't have the ability for it to expand like that. So it's like who made this and for whom? And then they pulled it out and then in the cup was all these little things right if anyone ever wants to do it do it all the little stringies and then she was like yeah that stays in your body and I was like oh my gosh (laughs) nobody told me that
0: (laughs) it's true it is it's true and then especially when you are doing and like I'll be the first to admit I've had a hard time using the cup but now apparently I think the diva cup came out with an even like a third version because the sizings that they have were just not working for me. And it was so but there's uncomfortable. There's so many cups. Yes. There's the, like the salt cup. And there's Intimina cups. Yes. And there's
1: the Maluna cup. And <laughs> I'm not even mentioning. There's like a 100 cups. And they have different sizes. Some of them are yes. really short. Some of them are long. Some of them are wider, shorter. You are like welcome to like 2020 cup availability. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> when I was like 18 and figuring this out, there's like one cup. <laughs> yeah and you made it
0: work good for you. That's it took amazing. a couple of months
1: though. trust me, it it was not comfortable the first two months
0: of yeah, yeah. I tried for quite a few months, and um, I can't remember now because I know it was the diva cup, and I can't remember how they how they number it. I think it's I think now I it's rem- like zero one two or something like that. I remember back then it was like
1: cause because I don't know because when i was I was using this when I was pretty young, so it was like they had the, the one, the small one, and then they had the bigger one. And it yes. was like, you use, so th- I don't know what they have now, right? Because you said they have three, but yep. before it was like just one or two. And it was like two. It's either if after you've had a baby right. or if you're over 30. And I remember <laughs> we were all like, what happens when you turn 30? 30. Like, does something happen to your, <laughs> your vagina? All of a sudden you need a new
0: cup? <laughs> Oh, I did did need a new cup after I had a baby. So I I will say I needed a, like a wider one. Right. Which, yeah, which totally makes sense. But yeah, I think now they came up with like a, a different version, but the ones that I tried, I was like, these are just not, these sizes are just not for me. So I've gone through quite a few of them just trying to find the right, like, fit because for months it was just really uncomfortable. And I was like, I am so determined to figure this out
1: and make well, I am work. not an agent or paid or anything. I have no affiliation, but um the the company Maluna is very interesting. So it's M E like Luna. Okay. Because they have different firmnesses. Yep. So like they have the ones that are really firm but also the ones that are softer. They have different sizes like the bigger and the shorter and different widths. Got so it. that was interesting to me. Um, okay. Because you can kind of like I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone because there's tons of different companies, but for sure, yeah, it, it's just a whole new day with, yeah. when it comes to, but in addition, so I'm not totally anti-tampon. I wore tampons for years. Yeah. Um, and I would say like in terms of tampons, look for organic. Yes. Um, unfortunately, if you think about it, don't put anything in your vagina that you wouldn't want to put in your mouth. And the majority of cotton is uh, genetically modified. I know. They only genetically modify crops so that they can spray pesticides on them and the crop doesn't die. That is the purpose. So if anyone didn't know, I know a lot of people have a lot of positive things to say about genetically modified foods, because of the narrative that it's going to feed everybody. But to be clear, genetic modification is done so that you can spray pesticide on, like just drown it in pesticide, and then the the crop won't die. Everything else dies except for that. And when obviously, when you're doing that, it's going to result in a higher toxin level in the food. And that is not what you want in your vagina, like genetically modified, like yeah. I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, I, to- I totally agree. Yeah. You definitely have to source out organic. I do have, I have a cup and then I also have, have tampons and I kind of go back and forth still trying to figure out the whole cup situation, but well, yeah. So
1: much cool stuff. There's the period panties yes. and then there's like the reusable, like, so I don't actually have period panties, but like I obviously should buy some because I think they're the coolest thing ever. But they have period panties. You can buy yep. reusable pads um, if you if that's your thing. If not, it's cool. Yeah. But it's what's great is that I've like I said witnessed this kind of shift over the past two decades, and so now you have more choices than you ever did, which is
0: amazing. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And yeah, I think it's Nyx. Knicks. Nyxwear has. I mean, there's again so many companies, but I think they, they, they do have. Yeah, I've definitely um, considered getting some of those. So. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your amazing knowledge and insights today. Where can our audience find you and connect with you?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. If you are really interested in learning more about fertility awareness, I've been doing my Fertility Friday podcast for a really long time. It this is fantastic. Is mm-hmm. Congrats. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks. So we're over 300 episodes. So there's a lot of you know great episodes to listen to. But anyways, whatever your favorite podcast player is, you can just type in Fertility Friday and you'll find me The book, The Fifth Vital Sign, you can find that on Amazon in all the formats, and you can get the first chapter over at thefifthvitalsignbook.com. Get the first chapter for free. And I'm also on Instagram. Instagram's fun. I post a lot of inflammatory stuff over there. (laughs) I (laughs) I love it. Still trying to get the myths, right? I'm trying to smash all of them. So... I'm there for that.
0: Well, you do a really fantastic job. So I definitely encourage everybody to go find you on Instagram. And yeah, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And I hope our listeners go check you out. Thanks again. Thank you so much for diving into our episode today, for being with us, for just learning more and educating yourself and being on this journey with us. I really appreciate you being here. If you want to connect with Lisa, you can find her over on Instagram at Fertility Friday, and you definitely want to check out her book, The Fifth Vital Sign. It is loaded with so much information, everything you want to know about your cycle, tracking your cycle, fertility awareness. It is all in that book, and I'm, I'm super excited. That we have this incredible resource. I will have all of the links in our show notes. You can grab some of her freebies and you can learn more about the Fifth Vital Sign and her Fertility Awareness 101 course. I'll have it all linked up in our show notes over on our website at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 128. Thanks again for being here. If you haven't left us a rating and a review, we so appreciate it. And I love, love reading them. They really mean so much to me. And it's just amazing to see how many women we're reaching globally. And soon we will hit that 1 million download mark. And that's a huge thank you to you and to showing up and sharing this podcast with the women in your lives. Thanks again for being here. I'll chat with you all next week. Take care.